Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 463. Welcome in. It's been about a week since I put out any content for Strong Opinion Sports, and I'm feeling really good. I took a week off. My best friend was in town. Uh, he left on Tuesday. I took yesterday off. I did one episode of Zach Schaumler talking, the other podcast, where I literally sit down and just talk. It takes no preparation. Uh, relaxed a lot yesterday. Recovered from having my best friend. It's like we were going, 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 hiking literally like 11 miles a day. So when he left, I took a day off to relax. And I think I feel the best I've felt in a long, long time. And uh, I will say I wanted to – this will be a very short episode because I wanted to just put something out. Uh, I've been working on some film analysis stuff. I've got a lot of, you know, the quarterbacks coming up in the draft. I'm going to cover all of them. Obviously, I'm very excited about that. Um, and I wanted to just put out a short episode because when you take a week off, I at least I, I personally felt a little bit out of rhythm. Like, I, huh, I haven't written about sports in like a week. It's been kind of weird. And I want to catch up on what's been going on. There hasn't been a lot going on. Thank goodness. It's early March. The NBA season is kind of coming to a close and. It's a little bit before March Madness. Free agency isn't quite here yet. So uh, we got this little little period where this month I'm going to finish up predictions versus reality. And then we'll move into draft content. And there are nine quarterbacks on my radar that I'm going to cover this year. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited. It's going to be a really fun month. I'm excited. Let's jump in. Um, I'm going to do a rare topic about baseball today. I really, really like the sport of baseball. However, I do not like Major League Baseball, the professional league in America that has a, a death grip on the sport of baseball. I, I actually would prefer baseball to be – I wish I could watch baseball without Major League Baseball because I like the sport. I hate the league. And right now they're going through a lockout. I'm going to share my opinion, my impression of what's going on I want to invite critique and invite um, feedback from baseball fans because, A, I want to hear what you guys think. B, I, there might be a key detail here and there that I, I'm going to speak ignorantly about stuff that I kind of have an idea about. And if you guys – like, I'm going to share what I think. If I'm wrong, feel free to let me know. Uh, the one thing I know I'm right about is the local regional TV networks, which is something that I uh, – I've, I've got a lot of friends who work in local TV, and they know that world really well. Um, well, let's, let's back up and start at the beginning. Major League Baseball is in the middle of a lockout, meaning that the owners have locked out the players. The owners said, until we can reach a new agreement, you're not going to play. You can't go into the facility. You can't participate in anything to do with your team. And the agreement was the collective bargaining agreement, or the CBA, which expired a little bit ago. Rob Manfred, the MLB commissioner, recently announced that the first two series of the MLB regular season have been canceled. Uh, to me, that feels like a negotiation tactic. I don't even know that, you know, one of the, the rumors that came out, the reports were that apparently the MLB owners offered a shorter season anyway, down to 154 games with a universal designated hitter. So I'm not convinced, like, hey, that sounds like a really kind of weak, um, you know, we're going to give the players universal designated hitters, which I think would be better for baseball, and we're going to shorten the season by a couple of games, which I think is something the owners want anyway. Um, 
So they're acting like it's an offer to benefit the players. I think really it's something they want anyway. The owners, I mean, want anyway. And this is billionaires fighting with millionaires. And uh, again, I love the sport of baseball. It's a beautiful sport. It's wonderful. There's something about playoff baseball. Oh, my goodness. I love it so much. And late in any baseball game, when there's a runner on second base and you're batting, like there, I romanticize baseball, where like every pitch can be a game-changing moment. You got a runner on second, a base hit, scores that runner, game is tied, or you got a one-run lead. Like there, I, I really love the tension that baseball has as a sport. But I hate the league, Major League Baseball, and they're losing people. They're losing me. Uh, I already kind of have. Let's be honest about baseball. I don't. I don't really watch baseball anymore. I, I love baseball. I'm tired of the league, and I kind of am all the way out the door looking back in, hoping they can make some kind of change to bring me back to baseball. Because I would like to watch. I would like to care. I don't. It's a league that is stagnant and refuses to make changes and has no salary cap. And there's all these problems I don't like. And in the MLB lockout, the owners and players cannot reach an agreement to end the lockout. Players say revenue is going up. And they want a higher percentage of the money. Honestly, I have a hard time caring. I've got a hard time feeling sympathy for (laughs) Major League Baseball players. Um, Baseball contracts are amazing. I I cover football really, really closely. And football contracts do not have fully guaranteed money. They're not very much money. If you want to get paid playing sports, play baseball or basketball, at least in America, because there are way bigger contracts with way more guaranteed money than a football contract. Like, I don't really understand. What do the players even want? These guys are multi-multi-millionaires. The worst paid baseball player has it pretty dang good. If you want to feel bad for somebody, feel bad for guys in the minor leagues who have terrible lives, make no money, they travel like crazy. Those guys I feel bad for. Anybody in the Major League Baseball system, I'm like, crocodile tears man like you're getting paid a ton of money to play a kids game and i don't say that very often i'm not one of those guys that go sports athletes shouldn't be paid but i'm like baseball players have it good compared to football players who can destroy their body and play for three years and make the league minimum and you get out you're not set for life when you when you finish an nfl career necessarily baseball you play a couple years you're set for life if you do it right i don't know i'm also here's something that really I am very skeptical about the way that baseball is built right now because baseball is built in an unstable way. They got massive regional TV contracts from local broadcasters. And, you know, when, you, when I grew up uh, in the Northwest, Root Sports is the one that carries the Mariners baseball games, for example. The problem is those local TV networks are dying. I have friends who work in local news, like all over the country, for all kinds of different places. The money's drying up for local TV networks. And that is why if you watch the local news, maybe not everybody on camera is young and right out of college. But a lot of the people behind the scenes are hired right out of college because they are the cheapest people to hire. They don't have families. They are happy to take whatever salary you give them. They just want a job, period. Um. So I, I con- am in concern that the money – I think that the way baseball is set up to make money now with these massive bloated regional TV contracts, that money is going to go away eventually, and then you're in big, big trouble. 
So I not only have really have a hard time finding sympathy for the players who make tons of money. And I'm like, well, what do you, what do you want? What are you complaining about? Like play baseball, shut up. I don't, I'm, I wish that wasn't how I felt. I'm not normally that kind of guy, but that, I, I look at baseball. I'm like, what do you, what do you want? Like you guys get paid great. I also hate major league baseball. The owners, as much as I feel no sympathy for the players, I hate the ownership. I'm like, what is happening here? And I, I wish they would make a salary cap in baseball, quite frankly. And this is where I, I'm getting a little bit insecure, and I'm not quite sure I'm fully right. So I, I'm inviting – feel free to write in about what I'm about to say everything next because I am very willing to listen, and my opinions here are malleable. But the way I see it is that there has to be a way to more evenly share revenue in Major League Baseball. Like, sure, the Yankees sell way more T-shirts and hats and mugs and merchandise. Sure. That's their money. It's people interested in the Yankees. they got a bigger fan base. A lot of people care about the Yankees. They'll buy a mug, whatever. Harder probably to sell a, I don't know, Pittsburgh Pirates t-shirt than a Yankees t-shirt. Let's be honest. But I wish baseball would force a salary cap where you take the TV money and prop up small market teams. If the rich teams have nobody to play against, then why does it matter if they sell a ton of merchandise? Hey, the Yankees sell a ton of t-shirts. But they got nobody to play against. That honestly, I, I really would like to see them. I guess it's almost like socialism, unfortunately. Can we share the money evenly? Like, I'm going to throw out a number. What about a hundred million dollars? That's a new salary cap in baseball. And not only is that the salary cap, we're going to help make sure every team has a hundred million dollars to spend every year. We're going to share the money evenly. I know there's already revenue sharing. Can we change it a little bit, and make it even better? Something like that would help baseball. I, I, I hate the MLB because they refuse to change. There's a cultural system in baseball. It doesn't allow people to celebrate home runs, which is so stupid. And the salary caps are insane. And you've got teams that are like Moneyball. You know, like remember that te- great movie Moneyball with Brad Pitt and the book they wrote and what the Oakland A's did. It shouldn't have to happen. <laughs> like there's enough money in baseball for every team to have $100 million to spend on contracts. But they don't share revenue very evenly, and they're happy to have the Yankees have a massive bloated salary, massive spending on players where the Oakland Athletics have nothing to spend on players. And, yeah, let's have this uneven balance, and let's have them play each other. That's fair. It's stupid. I don't like it. And I, I wish, honestly, there was another league to cheer for when it came to baseball because baseball is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful sport. Rob Manfred, MLB ownership, the culture in the MLB, it's driving me crazy, and I, I, I desperately want to come back. I desperately want to find a reason to care and watch the MLB, but I just can't. And I, please write in and let me know what you think. But the lockout, the whole thing is ridiculous. I'm like, what? Why can't they figure it out? Play, foot, play baseball games. Like, make it happen. I don't know. It just is, is really, really um, irritating me, and I – I just have a lot of crocodile tears for the players. I hate the MLB owners, and I just honestly, I, I wish I could get into it and care. But I mean, I did enough to talk for like ten minutes about it. But uh, that's my opinion on the MLB lockout and the fact that apparently they're canceling games to uh, start the year. And also, you know, I will say I've been pretty anti-player in this entire segment. Let me end this way. Uh, all the people that are mad at me about oh who are the players. Well, let's be clear. Baseball players are the most valuable part of the league. I mean, you're not going to have an MLB without the people playing in the league. 
Um, which is why, also, honestly, I, I think they there's this weird culture in baseball where they don't like personality. They kind of they don't let allow people to celebrate. They don't allow people to, you know, I, I, I wish they were more understanding of that personalities will drive the league forward and bring in more people. Um, and maybe part of why they don't want, this is a huge conspiracy, but maybe part of why they don't want to allow personalities to shine in baseball is because it gives the players more power. Maybe that, I, I don't know. Um, but MLB owners need to realize that if you don't pay the players what they want, they're not going to play. And then... <laughs> Oh, no, you don't have an entire season. You think you're mad about how much you're going to have to pay the players. What if you don't have an entire season of baseball games? Like, you want revenue, right? I, I don't understand, and I, I hope they figure it out soon. But um, this is one of the weirdest and least compelling lockouts in sports history for me. I'm just like, what's going on? Like, Why can't they figure it out? And uh, let me know what you think about it. All right. All uh, right. Let's talk about the Arizona Cardinals. They just gave their general manager, Steve Keim, and also their head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, new contract extensions through the 2027 season. Uh, that came right before the NFL Combine. That makes a lot of sense. You want to, these guys are going to put in all the work to evaluate players and draft players and do interviews and represent the team. You want to know there's financial backing behind you. Fair enough. It is kind of also funny timing, though, because. The Cardinals quarterback, Kyler Murray, wants a contract extension as well. Uh, I'm going to open my phone to pull up a weird statement. Kyler Murray put out a weird statement, um, kind of sharing his thoughts and how he feels about getting paid and the contract negotiations going on. Apparently, about a week and a half, two weeks ago now, he gave the Cardinals a proposal. I want this much money. Give me a long-term contract. And the Cardinals have done absolutely nothing. They haven't budged. They're like... We don't want that. Like, sorry. And I would guess K Kyler Murray's asking for an absurd amount of money. Let's break it. Let's get into the statement Kyler made. It's way too long. I'm not going to read you the entire thing. Um, he says, I'm going to read you what's in bold and then kind of go through some of the smaller stuff. He says, Kyler absolutely wants to be your long-term quarterback. It's a statement from, by the way, Kyler's agent, Eric Burkhart. He said, he wants to be your long-term quarterback. He desperately wants to win a Super Bowl. Actions speak louder than words. Sorry, excuse me. Actions speak much louder than words in this volatile business. Kyler remains hopeful that the organization chooses to commit so that he can continue leading the Cardinals to further success and value for many years to come. Now, between those couple things I just read, there is like paragraphs of content and writing, and it's absurd. It's very extra. Um, he talks about how you know, he came in and in three years, they, you know, they improved by three or more wins every year. Uh, he was tasked with being the day one starter. They list his stats. They talk about how they're in a, a loaded NFC and an NFC West. It's really competitive. He won rookie of the year. Like, they're just listing his stats so far in the league. And, you know, two-time Pro Bowler, 24 years old, who led the organization, um, you know, I, I, it's it's very it's weird and and when I when you read the whole statement I'm I'm not gonna read it here I think it'd be boring if I read the entire massive statement, but listing the stats and accomplishment two time Pro Bowler you know led his team to th you know three or more victories in every season he's played day one starter like it sounds like something your friend or your dad would say about you to like hype you up and I. 
a lot of people, you know, Larry Fitzgerald, for example, came out and said that his dad is probably negative influencing him. I think Kyler's dad is negatively influencing how Kyler feels because, look, I'm close with my dad, but we've also, my dad's not that guy, but we've all seen dads in sports that are, quote, that dad, the overbearing dad who's way too involved, who's like, Man, it goes to every baseball game and is yelling and like, I'm pretty sure Kyler's dad is that guy. And Kyler is on a four-year deal, a rookie contract. By the way, he signed a $23.5 million signing bonus. Like, it's not like Kyler's never been paid. And somebody is telling Kyler that he needs to get his money now. Like, someone's telling Kyler... You deserve to be paid. You need to make more money than you've made so far in your career. You need to secure the bag long-term. This team needs to commit to you long-term. Does that sound like Kyler Murray speaking, or does it sound like someone in his corner who's trying to tell it? sounds like his dad. I, I think that's Kyler's dad telling him what to do. And there's no way that an agent, Eric Burkhart, looked at that. <laughs> he didn't type that. Like, who, who came up with this massive statement idea? Because that is not a good idea when you were in contract negotiations to make this weird statement. Somebody who isn't very familiar with contract negotiations in sports decided we got to put out this massive statement. I go back to probably Kyler's dad. That's an assumption, but I'm not the only person talking about how Kyler's dad probably is influencing what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, what Kyler really needs to do, rather than put out a statement, is A, win more games, but B, step up as a leader. Did anybody watch that playoff game against LA Rams? It was embarrassing. It was shameful. It was horrible. And as things got worse for the team, he shrunk and got smaller and smaller and shriveled like a raisin. I, I want a quarterback who's a galvanizing leader that when things go bad, let's go, guys. Let's get going. Defense, pick it up. Offensive line, come here. We got we to gotta figure this out. Got to pull your guys together and rally them and... That's not at all what Kyler Murray is as a leader, which is horrifying and not good. And I'm a Kyler Murray fan, at least I, I thought I was, but he's turning people like me against him, let alone Arizona Cardinals fans. And as he said, <laughs> actions speak much louder than words. How about shut up, zip it, and go play well in a playoff game? Then you earn the contract. You shouldn't have to beg a team for a contract. It should be oh, we better pay Kyler or else we're screwed. Kyler hasn't earned the massive amount of money he's probably asking for, and he's very good. I feel good about him. He's done some good stuff in his career. He's very talented. But I, I, it's kind of absurd for a player to be begging for a, a massive contract when, I, in my opinion, you haven't done – you've done good, but not enough to earn this. I mean – if Arizona wants to give him a little more money, like, I I don't know. I, I just don't really understand, and I, I think it's very weird that Kyler is already begging for more money, and I I don't know. I, I guess these are two topics in a row. I talked about the baseball, um, the, the MLB lockout, and now Kyler Murray talking about money. I feel – I'm sorry to talk about other people's money. These are the two biggest stories right now in sports that I care about, uh, but I, I don't think Kyler Murray is taking the right approach at all. At all. And uh, if I were him, I'd put my head down and get to work. And whose idea was that statement? It wasn't, the, it wasn't the agent. There's no way an agent would be like, yeah, let's put it. Have you ever seen that happen before? I've never seen an agent put out a statement like that before, begging his team for a new contract, um, let alone a quarterback who I've got big questions about as a leader, 
and <laughs> I'm just I'm getting less and less impressed with Kyler Murray the more I learn about him the more I see him operate and uh I, I'm getting more and more concerned about the guy, honestly, and I hope his dad is not negatively influencing him, but I, I fear that he probably is. Okay, uh, let's shift gears to the Jacksonville Jaguars predictions versus reality. I predicted the Jacksonville Jaguars would go 4-13. and 13. The reality is they went 3-14, and 14, so I was one game off. I basically nailed it. It was a weird and ugly year. Uh, Teddy wrote in on Patreon, as you can do. Teddy says, ironically, I think the best moment of the year for the Jaguars was firing Urban Meyer. Though the fans should get a shout out for showing up dressed as clowns. So if you don't know, uh, A, they hired Urban Meyer and very promptly fired him. B, uh, Jaguars fans at the end of the year started dressing up like clowns and going to games, which is hilarious and amazing. And um, even if they're good in the future, can we just make that a tradition? That'd be really fun. Like I... Either Jaguars fans can do it, or if your team is doing bad, I, I either I want to see I want to see more of it happening. So either Jaguars fans just dress up as clowns perpetually, or if your team is bad, let's say the Falcons are terrible next year. I want Atlanta fans to dress up as clowns, or if the Saints are bad, or the Jets, or whoever. Like if your team is bad, I would love to see the tradition of sports fans dressing up as clowns to go to games. That sounds hilarious and really really fun. Uh, let's talk about Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer made a lot of mistakes early on. Uh, you know, he influenced them. They drafted Travis Etienne, a running back they didn't really need, which showed that I felt like he didn't value James Robinson, the running back they already had. It was kind of weird. Although I did explain why it made sense because, you know, Travis Etienne can both operate as a receiver and a running back, but then he got hurt immediately and missed the entire year. So that felt like a wasted pick by Urban Meyer in the late in the first round. Uh, he traded Gardner Minshew away after giving him a bunch of first-team reps, which really just wasted a bunch of reps. I mean, you took a bunch of <laughs> valuable reps in training camp away from your rookie quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, only to trade the guy away. It made no sense at all. Apparently, he kicked the player, uh, I believe Josh Lambeau, the kicker, Josh Lambeau, Josh Scobie, one of the, the kicker in, Jag in Jackson, whoever that was at the time, he kicked him. Um, that came out later. That was kind of the final straw that got Urban Meyer booted. He, uh, after the Bengals game in Cincinnati, he didn't fly back on the team plane. He went on his own adventure and cheated on his wife in a very public fashion. Urban Meyer lost all credibility as a head coach. And so they fired him mid-season. On December 15th, it was announced he has been fired. That is after week 14 of the NFL season. Now, uh, Despite all of the chaos around the Jaguars, let's talk about the young rookie quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. He had a 59.6% completion percentage. He threw for 3,641 yards, 12 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. That's not great. More interceptions than touchdowns. Um, although even though the stat line isn't very good, it requires perspective if you're going to talk about what Trevor Lawrence did last year because the team around Trevor was a nightmare. <laughs> and... He did not go to a stable organization. Where you go as a rookie quarterback really matters. And uh, he's got obvious talent. In fact, week 18, I thought he put together the most encouraging performance of the year. They beat the Colts, a division rival, and eliminated the Colts from making the playoffs, which was awesome. So the year ended on a high note, and Trevor played very well in that game week 18. Left me with a good impression, and I was like, okay, we're going to be all right. So when you look at, hey, Trevor's clearly really good, uh, like talent-wise. He ended the year well. 
And honestly, you have to evaluate with the, the lens of all of the drama and nonsense that went on in Jacksonville. It's amazing Trevor did as well as he did. So I've got a positive outlook on Trevor Lawrence, the young rookie quarterback, second-year quarterback now in Jacksonville, going into his second year. Let's be clear about that. They hired Doug Peterson to be their new head coach moving forward. He's a former NFL quarterback. He also won a Super Bowl as the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. That's awesome. All they got to do now is put some stability around Trevor Lawrence. It seems like Doug Peterson could be that guy who can connect with Trevor and surely treat him in a more professional fashion than Urban Meyer did. I'm very, very curious to see what kind of moves the Jaguars make in free agency. Uh, One bright spot this year, though, was the rookie corner Tyson Campbell, he struggled early on, but in the second half of the year, he really stepped up and started playing very, very well. The, the other corner, though, the, kind of the biggest bust for the Jaguars all year last year. Maybe not biggest bust. That's a bit maybe unfair. Uh, Shaquille Griffin was a bust, though, in my opinion. They, they signed him. They gave him a three-year, $40 million contract. I believe $28 million guaranteed, something like that. And despite a, a big contract, expecting him to be a starter – he made very little impact last year for the Jaguars. He had zero interceptions, not very many pass deflections. He got beat deep a number of times, even by guys who were like, it's not exactly DeAndre Hopkins running all over Shaquille Griffin. Like, that's not good. You can't have that happen. Um, I was The guy I was least impressed with, and maybe it's because my expectations were too high, was Shaquille Griffin, which just makes that signing look bad. I don't know how you justify it any more than that. It just wasn't good. Um, there is some talent, though, on the Jaguars' defense. I think guys like – I think of people like Miles Jack, uh, Caleb Chasson, Josh Allen. Like There are people on the Jaguars' defense that I'm excited about to watch next year and moving forward. Uh, the leading receiver for the Jaguars was Marvin Jones. He had 73 catches on 832 yards, four touchdown catches. The leading rusher for the Jaguars was James Robinson, uh, second-year running back, 164 carries, 767 yards, eight touchdown runs. I hope he's their feature back next year. I'm curious to see how rookie second-year receiver, I guess, you know, rookie last year, second-year running back next year, Travis Etienne can fit in. He got hurt before the year, did not play at all last year. I'm excited to see him back next year because how will they use him as a running back solely? I want to see him split out wide as a receiver, hopefully a lot. Um, Maybe we can get a good one-two punch between James Robinson, and Travis Etienne. But I, Travis Etienne feels like a wild card that I am very curious to see how they use him next year. Now, the year as a whole was not a total waste because you got Trevor Lawrence um, and the silver lining of Urban Meyer. He was such a bad head coach that they actually now, the Jaguars once again in back-to-back years have the number one overall pick again in this year's draft as well. So they can get another key impact player, number one overall Um So Urban Meyer, a blessing and a curse. He maybe was awful last year, but he did put them in a position to get a good player for next year. They hired Doug Peterson as their new head coach. Um, I mean, honestly, I look at the Jaguars right now. They're in a very similar position as they were going into last year, where they've got a new head coach, young quarterback, some talent on the roster that's young and exciting. And let's see if they can do anything with it this time, because what happened last year um, was not good and, and, in fact, embarrassing for the Jaguars. You know, also, going into last year, I said that the Jaguars season really was depending on 
how they did against quote bad or rebuilding teams. There were five teams they were going to play, five games, four teams they were going to play against last year that I thought were games that had an opportunity to win. They played the Houston Texans twice. They played the Cincinnati Bengals, the Falcons, and the Jets. Weirdly enough, they lost all five of those games. They lost to Houston 37-21, and then again week 15, 30-16. They lost to Cincy 24-21. They lost to Atlanta 21-14. The Jets 26-21. And the three wins the Jaguars did put together were kind of odd. They beat Miami 23-20 week 6. They beat the uh, the Buffalo Bills week 9, 9-6. It was like... Where did this come from? When they beat the Bills, I was like, that's absurd and very weird. Um, and then week 18, they beat Indy 26-11 to to keep Indy out of the playoffs. That was a storyline I was tracking with the Jaguars last year, and I talked a lot about how these five games are going to determine the entire year. But that kind of really depended on Urban Meyer keeping his job. And the minute Urban Meyer got fired, in my opinion, all that that narrative kind of went out the window and like, who cares anymore? It's a It's a busted year anyway. So... Um, I wanted to revisit that because I did talk about that narrative a lot, but once Urban Meyer got fired, that entire narrative, you know, against bad and rebuilding teams, I didn't care about. And in fact, Cincinnati wasn't a bad team at all. They were rebuilding, I guess, but the Bengals went to the Super Bowl. So um, the fact that they took Cincy to a three-point game is actually maybe even uh, an achievement, I I guess. I don't know. Um, So not a great year for the Jaguars, but again... Silver lining, not a total loss. They got the number one overall pick again. Some young talent. Let's see what they can do with it this year. And uh, that's my prediction versus reality for the Jacksonville Jaguars. How about Houston? Let me drink some water. We'll talk about Houston. I predicted that the Houston Texans would go 1-16 and last year. I called them a terrible football team. I said they were the worst team in the NFL they surprised me. Uh, the reality is the Houston Texans went 4-13. and 13. They actually were not only not last in their division, they did better than the Jaguars, which I did not see coming at all. I thought their only win would be week one against the Jaguars. They could catch them early before Trevor Lawrence was ready. Uh, well, they swept the Jaguars. They beat the Jaguars not only week one, but also week 15. They beat then the Titans week 11, and they beat the Chargers week 16, which really helped keep the Chargers out of the playoffs. So not a, I mean, look, not a good year for Houston at all, but I actually thought they did better than I expected they would. So kind of they overachieved a little bit. And I felt really bad for their head coach going into last year, David Coley. He was hired, I thought, because no one else really wanted to be the Houston Texans head coach. And again, in my opinion... 4-13 and 13 with that roster, I thought he overachieved. Now, uh, the Texans rewarded him by firing him after the year. They did not see things the way I did at all. And uh, the move they made was the elevated defensive coordinator, Levy Smith, to be head coach. That's a weird move. I don't, I don't know. But the key and the one really good thing about hiring Levy Smith and maintaining him was it kept the coaching staff intact, which keeps one guy, one key person there. Peb Hamilton, the quarterback coach, who is now the offensive coordinator. He worked with Andrew Luck, Justin Herbert. He was once an XFL head coach. He's been all kinds of good for young quarterbacks across the football world. And 
Pep Hamilton worked with a rookie quarterback last year, Davis Mills, in Houston. And Davis Mills, a third-round pick out of Stanford, he was far and away the most positive thing about the Houston Texan season. The Deshaun Watson stuff is still up in the air. We're still waiting to figure out what's going to happen with him. Tyrod Taylor didn't play very much, got hurt. Like, Davis Mills? Hey, maybe Houston found a franchise quarterback in the third round, which is exciting and very, very cool. He played in 13 games. He threw for 2,664 yards, 16 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, a 66.8% completion percentage. That's very good for a rookie quarterback playing in 13 games. And um, also with the context that Houston was a terrible, terrible team running the football. They were dead last. They were the worst rushing team in the NFL last year. Their leading rusher was Rex Burkhead, who's 31 years old, was like a undrafted player out of Nebraska. Like, was he undrafted? I don't know. He played for the Patriots for years. I would imagine he was undrafted. Here's how the great Rex Burkhead, the leading rusher for the Houston Texans last year, he had 427 yards rushing. Like, ooh, not great. 427 yards on 122 carries. It just, it shows. Like, not only did they have a, they had a revolving door at running back between David Johnson, uh, Rex Burkhead, Philip Lindsay, there's one other guy, the guy uh, he went to Alabama, Mark Ingram. Not a great rushing year for the Houston Texans. Brandon Cooks had a good year receiving. He was a leading receiver by over 500 yards. He had 90 catches for 1,037 yards and six touchdown catches. Um, honestly, there's a lot of work left to be done in Houston. They had nine starting slash contributing players who were veterans on one-year contracts last year. It's a lot of people on your starting roster to be not guaranteed to be a long-term player there. There's still not a lot of talent in Houston. Uh, the really only positives are that they got Pep Hamilton and Davis Mills. They're going to stay there next year. They can build on what they did last year together. I am hoping that Pep Hamilton can do really well and eventually become an NFL head coach someday, maybe even in Houston. And uh, the Texans have the number three overall pick. So it's not all bad, but there's not a lot of, like, hope moving forward. They have to – they're still rebuilding. Like, going into last year, Houston was rebuilding and a mess, and they're still rebuilding and still a mess, just a slightly better mess than they were last year. Does that make sense? We found out Davis Mills can play. Pep Hamilton is still there. We'll see who they draft number three overall. Hopefully an impact player. Um, but – I don't feel great about the Houston Texans. Let me know if you're a Houston Texans fan, how you feel. Uh, but that is my thoughts on the Houston Texans year last year. And uh, just a, a weird year of limbo and not, not really a step forward, but at least not a step backwards. So it could have been worse. Maybe, the, maybe that's the, the tagline. <laughs> Houston Texans 2021. It could have been worse. <laughs> Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I love you. I appreciate you. Uh, thank you so much. I, you know, weird news. I bought a truck uh, last week. So uh, I bought a truck. I'm moving back to the mainland in end of May. Yeah. In June, I'll be back on the mainland. In August, I'm setting off to drive across the country and make this show, go to games, go meet you guys. Um, I want to say thank you real quick because buying a truck is something that would not have been possible without a good credit. But also be you guys who watch and listen to the podcast and make it all possible. So um, thank you so much, man. You guys have no idea the impact that 
Strong Opinion Sports and you guys have had on my life. I just want to say thank you. Uh, I love you. I appreciate you. And uh, ba-dum-bum, bam, we are done.